0: Welcome back to the Core EM Podcast, core content for anyone, anywhere, and just in time. It's the official podcast of the NYU Bellevue EM Residency Program. I'm Anand Swami Nathan.
1: And I'm Jenny beck
0: So Jenny, what are we going to talk about this week?
1: So this month is our renal acid-base month.
0: Oh, wait, wait. My heart is palpitating with excitement
1: <laughs> over renal so, and
0: acid-base. So
1: exciting. I know.
0: We've got to make this exciting. So we're going to oh. talk about winter's formula for 20 minutes, mm-hmm. and then we're going to talk about respiratory compensation.
1: Yes. And we're going to make people bring out their, their pencils and do lots of math
0: pro- problems, and it's going to be really exciting. Excellent. So mm-hmm. everybody, pull your car over if you're listening in your car. If you're walking across town, stop, grab a pencil... We're going to get to work. Let's get to work, yeah. Let's get to work. All right, what are we really going to talk (laughs) about? Clearly, we're not doing any winters for that because we know that I can't do math. So, what are we really going to talk about?
1: So, So, we did a flipped classroom workshop that was on electrolyte abnormalities. Now, you covered hyperkalemia already back in podcast seven. So, I thought we could discuss a bit of the other electrolyte we focused on in our conference, sodium. Specifically, I'd like to talk about hyponatremia.
0: Absolutely. Now, just to do a little bit of space repetition about hyperkalemia. The most important thing with hyperkalemia is that if you see an elevated potassium, get an EKG, make sure that it's not a hemolyzed potassium specimen, and then you can start treating it. And you're going to want to stabilize cells with calcium if they've got real big EKG changes like a widened QRS or prolonged QTC. And then you're going to move forward with things like albuterol and bicarbonate and magnesium and fluids. So there's your space repetition on hyperkalemia, but go on back and listen to podcast seven if you want to hear sort of the whole spiel on that topic. Now, hyponatremia, on the other hand, is a little bit more nuanced than hyperkalemia. It's actually more difficult in many ways to manage. And I don't want to go into a deep dive on this topic because it really would take us 45 minutes. In fact, Anton Hellman, a good friend, did a really great podcast not too long ago on EM cases, which is one of my favorite emergency medicine podcasts. And he covered everything about hyponatremia you'd ever want to know. So we're going to go ahead and drop a link to his podcast in the show notes we're gonna focus on the severe hyponatremia.
1: So just a little background first. Hyponatremia is defined as any sodium level less than 135 millimoles per liter, and it's seen in about 20% of patients admitted to the hospital. Hyponatremia mainly causes neurologic symptoms. Minor symptoms are things like headaches, nausea, vomiting, lethargy, and restlessness. As the hyponatremia becomes more severe, you can see focal neurologic findings, altered mental status, and seizures
0: and coma. One of the interesting things with hyponatremia is that there's not really a direct relationship between the value of the sodium and the symptoms the patient exhibits. You're more likely to see severe symptoms at lower levels, usually under 110 millimoles per liter, but rapidity seems to be a big part of this. Patients who have a slow, gradual decline in their sodium may often have pretty mild uh, symptoms along with that. I mentioned a case a couple months ago that I had of a patient who was 100 years old who came in with some mild weakness and difficulty sleeping, and they had a sodium that was pretty close to 100 millimoles per liter. Now, that's a really low level. It looks pretty amazing. You know, you don't usually see age greater than sodium. That's fairly (laughs) unusual. But the presentation was really pretty benign.
1: Yeah, that's really incredible. Now, on the flip side of that, patients who have Relatively rapid drops in their sodium can have pretty severe symptoms at only mildly depressed levels The real point is that we don't want to focus our treatment on the number but on the patient's symptoms
0: All right So let's talk about the severe hyponatremia cases and let's frame this with a case that I saw a couple years back It's a 19 year old girl who presents with seizures EMS tells you that they picked her up at a concert where she started seizing She got three doses of midazolam in the field without any improvement. So, Jenny, what kind of things are you thinking here? What's your differential?
1: Well, this patient is in status epilepticus, and though we're focusing here on hyponatremia, let's just go through a quick differential. In patients with status, you have to think about vital sign abnormalities that could be causing this, hypoxia, severe hypertension, and hyperthermia. Think about trauma resulting in intracranial hemorrhage, brain tumors, CNS infections, toxic exposures hypoglycemia, and electrolyte abnormalities. If it's none of those things, it may simply be the result of an underlying seizure disorder.
0: That's a really nice differential to go through for the status patient. I think glucose gets missed pretty frequently, and again, it's one of those things that makes you look pretty silly. So make sure that getting a finger stick is part of your standard initial assessment. Now for this patient, she got a rapid blood gas, um, a point of care blood gas that showed a sodium level of 104 millimoles per liter. So how are you going to go about treating this?
1: So step one in severe hyponatremia is to treat the neurologic emergencies. This has to take precedence over everything else. If you don't stop those seizures, the patient is going to have resultant brain damage. When hyponatremia presents with these severe neurologic issues, you've got to administer hypertonic saline quickly.
0: Absolutely. Now, there's a well-known article in the New England Journal of Medicine back in 2000 by Androgate that discusses the use of an equation to figure out how much hypertonic saline to administer. That equation's a little complex, and it's based on a number of assumptions that subsequently have found to maybe not be completely accurate. Now, because of the complexity, because of all these assumptions, I don't think you're going to be reaching for this during the resuscitation.
1: Well, you're definitely not, Swami, because you can't
0: do math. I can't do math, so it's not going (laughs) to (laughs) happen.
1: So I typically employ a method I first heard in a lecture from Corey Slovis on MRAP, but has been written about and discussed elsewhere. Basically, we're going to administer 100 to 150 milliliters of hypertonic saline IV over five to 10 minutes. This is typically going to raise the serum sodium by two to three millimoles, which is usually enough to stop the seizures. If it doesn't, you can repeat with a
0: second bolus. So 100 to 150 cc's of 3% saline will raise the serum sodium by two to three millimoles. But you know, this patient started with a sodium of 104, that's only gonna get her to about 107. Why don't we give her a lot more and get her all the way back to 140? Good question, and this
1: is a really critical point. In patients with severe hyponatremia, you don't want to fix the sodium too quickly, or you run the risk of the patient developing osmotic demyelination syndrome, or ODS. ODS is no joke. It can lead to severe chronic neurologic issues, including ataxia, quadriplegia, and locked-in syndrome. Ah,
0: (laughs) yes. ODS, previously known as central pontine myelinolysis, Or, as I like to think of it, exploding neuron syndrome from fixing (laughs) sodium too fast. You know I like to call things what they are, right?
1: Call them by their their name, right?
0: (laughs) So This is the dreaded complication of hyponatremia management. If you want to avoid it, it's actually relatively simple, or at least it sounds relatively simple. Just don't correct the sodium by more than 6 to 8 millimoles per day. Now, in the first hour, you can sort of break that rule. You can increase the sodium by that 2 to 3 millimoles per liter with your hypertonic saline boluses in order to relieve those neurologic symptoms. Okay, so 2 to 3 millimoles in the first hour to
1: reverse neurologic symptoms and 6 to 8 millimoles over the first 24 hours. Any more than that, and you run the risk of ODS. How do you go about preventing overcorrection,
0: though? There's this great rule of hundreds that I think can help. You give a bolus of 100 to 150 cc's of 3% hypertonic saline. Place a Foley, and if you get more than 100 cc's per hour of urine, send a urine osm, send a urine sodium off. If the urine osms are less than 100, you're losing too much free water. You're going to want to fluid restrict that patient, give them DDAVP, and call nephrology for help.
1: Okay, that sounds pretty easy. Drop the Foley, monitor urine output. If the urine output is more than 100 cc's an hour, get osm's. If the osm's are less than 100, be worried. Fluid restrict, give DDAVP, and get help. One more question, Swami. What if you don't have any 3% hypertonic saline lying
0: around. Yeah, and, and you often don't. They often lock these things up or only right. keep them in the pharmacy because they don't want those, you to give it by mistake. Right. It's one of those scary medicines that they don't want us to find. Exactly. And it seems like you know it's pretty easy to give this by mistake, I guess. So in a pinch, if you can't find your 3%, you can give an ampoule of sodium bicarbonate over 5 to 10 minutes. That's 8.4% sodium and should have a similar effect in raising the sodium by that 2 to 3 millimoles per liter. All right, Jenny, let's wrap this up with some take-home messages.
1: Okay, severe hyponatremia is characterized by CNS dysfunction, mainly seizures and coma. We're going to treat this with hypertonic or 3% saline. To do this, give 100 to 150 milliliters over 5 to 10 minutes and repeat if the seizure activity continues. And to prevent the scary complications, you're only going to correct the hyponatremia by 6 to 8 millimoles per day.
0: Absolutely. Those are great take homes. And I think there are things that you can take to the bedside to treat these patients well. And again, avoid that ODS. Well, that's all for the Core EM podcast this week. Come on over and check out the site at coreem.net. We've got a ton of great core content, emergency medicine. We'll have a core post up this Wednesday and a journal update up on Thursday. Visit us on Facebook and like us if you like the site. Follow us on Twitter where our handle is at core underscore EM. And don't forget to drop by iTunes and give us a little bit of a grade and maybe some feedback on how we're doing. Thanks, and see you guys next week.